We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast, presented as always by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Tuesday, November 28th. It's been a full week, I believe, since we've recorded a podcast. Uh, James and I took Thursday off, obviously, with it being a Thanksgiving holiday. I don't think there was a podcast on Friday because DJ was still in Thailand. Uh, yeah. DJ got engaged I heard. during this trip. I was actually going to bring him in here to, to talk about that and kind of let him gloat a little bit and brag to us about having a fiance, but he's in a meeting right now, so we can't let him do that. Uh, but we have a lot to talk about. Uh, pretty busy NBA weekend. Uh, very weird schedule last week with the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, No games on Thanksgiving Day, a ton of games surrounding Thanksgiving. Uh, a little bit of a weird week this week as well with a, a few teams playing only two games. But we'll start with, with news last night. Uh, this happened about 11, 11.30 hour time here in Madison. Uh, I was just innocently dozing off watching Clippers-Lakers. And with about three minutes left in the game, Blake Griffin gets his left knee rolled up on while reaching for a loose ball. Um, obviously unintentional by Austin Rivers, we think. And Griffin now, uh, you know, roughly 15 hours later, we know is probably going to miss around two months, according to 
uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. That's not an official timeline. You know, the Clippers probably won't maybe ever hand one down, but you know, I don't think we're going to see Blake Griffin back on the court until for sure after Christmas, you know, could be sometime into January, could be all the way towards the all-star break. And last time we talked, we kind of railed against this Clippers team about how bad they've been and how shallow they are and how much they're relying on Blake Griffin cut to a week later. And the situation is now 10 times worse than it was then. It is. And um, we're, we're really going to see how, what this depth of this team really is at this point. And it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of Danilo Gallinari, um, who may Who's be hurt their, right now best, their best offensive player at this point. Yeah. Um, well, so we're, Lou Williams, probably. Oh, that's a good point. I always forget about Lou. So it's going to be uh, a team run by Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari, which I'm, that's, I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's at this point, I can't imagine them even getting near 500, like remotely over the next two months. Um, I don't want to say this like 100% kills their playoff hopes, but I don't see who I don't see how even when they get Blake Griffin back, that they're gonna they'll I don't know how they're gonna dig themselves out of the hole that right. they inevitably are going to be in. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like they were like the world on fire with Blake Griffin. No, that's the other thing. You know, it's it's not like this team was was ten and one over their last eleven, and this injury comes at a terrible time. It's like they were already in the middle of kind of a free fall after a nice start to the year. So. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're they're tied for ninth right now with OKC. I guess if there's some positive you pull out of this, you look at the teams that are around the Clippers in the standings. So directly below them, you have the Lakers, who they beat last night. They're eight and twelve. You know, I, I think the Lakers keep up this four hundred win percentage. That's probably their best case scenario. Yeah. Below the Lakers, you have the Grizzlies, who we'll get to shortly. Uh, not a team trending in the right direction by any means. No. And then below that, you have the bottom feeders in the West, in Phoenix, Sacramento, and Dallas. So. I don't necessarily think L.A. can fall all that far. Uh, and then the teams above them, OKC uh, is also 8-11, and 11, which is a Clippers record. They'll probably get better. Yeah. Uh, but above them, you have Utah, who's kind of in the same spot right now as the Clippers are with their best player out. And, you know, again, they weren't playing all that well before that. You got New Orleans, you got Denver, and then you start getting into the really good teams. So I certainly don't think it's over for the Clippers. Um, they're in a much different spot than Memphis, which, again, we'll, we'll get to in a bit in that – you, you kind of have to see this through if you're the Clippers, right? You know, you can't you can't just say like, well, Blake's hurt. We're you know we're just going to tank this year. You, know, you just signed this guy to an extension. You still have DeAndre Jordan, who I, I guess you could move if you wanted. You just signed Gallinari. You, you know, Rivers is on an extension. Like this isn't a team that's you know really ready to transition anytime soon, especially in the context of this franchise that I think wants to avoid at all costs going back to where it was for the previous thirty years before Blake Griffin came to town. Yeah, and keeping I mean, as long as you have Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jorgen around, you can like you can stay playoff relevant if you just keep interchanging like different role players and, and guys between them. Um it would be interesting to see if they decide to try to trade DeAndre Jorgen to get just more depth in general. Um, which I think which I think is fair because I don't know how far you can really get with DeAndre when DeAndre Jorgen is the second best player on your team. Um, he hasn't really shown like he still hasn't improved enough offensively to carry any sort of burden in that respect. So moving him to a team where he would maybe be the third best player, like he essentially was previously with the Clippers might be, um, the best move all around for the Clippers and the whatever theoretical team he would go to. Um, yeah, but like you said, a lot of teams below them aren't really trending upwards. The only way I could really see the Lakers, um, 
trending upwards and doing better than they are right now is if Lonzo Ball just starts hitting his shots. Like if Lonzo Ball shoots what we all kind of thought he would, maybe like 37% from three or something like that from here on out, it could actually, I mean, they would be playing, they would be playing better right now. And they're almost, I want to say almost 500. Um, they're eight and 12. Right. Record-wise, L.A., I think there's this belief, you know, the, the Lonzo narrative has kind of overtaken the team itself. And yeah. people just assume that Lonzo's struggling, the Lakers are struggling. Like, for as bad as Lonzo's been efficiency-wise, the Lakers have probably, at the very least, met expectations. You know, if not exceeded. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. Not, they're not a pushover by any means. You know, last year, this was a team that pulled off some, some, some nice wins early in the year and then just completely went in the tank and was getting blown out left and right. And you know they're still going to lose a lot of games but they're they're at least much more competitive um but yeah i think the deandre thing is going to become even more of a question if the if the clippers continue to struggle he's the only like real blue chip trade you know prospect I, on that roster you can't trade gallo can you I mean, not was... not really i mean in terms of the value you'd get back for him it wouldn't really be close right. i mean what are the teams Obviously, we haven't prepped for this, but just kind of looking around, like where where would it kind of make sense for DeAndre Jordan? Like a, a team like Washington can certainly use an upgrade up front, but does that mean you're willing to part with Otto Porter and or Kelly Oubre? I don't know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I that wouldn't seems like you just kind of be creating a new hole by filling a different one if you're Washington. I think it would be interesting. Um, I don't know if Toronto somehow managed to just like get rid of the they could just destroy their whole situation they got kind of like the abaca valanciunas siakam whoever situation going on right now they could try to destroy that and just replace it with deandre mm-hmm. jordan that would be interesting i don't know how interested the clippers would be in sergi baka although sergi baka next to griffin i'd be yeah. interested in that yeah i mean i think if you're the clippers and in this situation you're trading jordan you're kind of assuming that you know best case scenario is like an eight seed and you're not really mm-hmm. planning to compete then you might be looking for picks um and that's you know that's where things probably start to get even more complicated i mean the bucks are always a team that's kind of been mentioned with deandre i'm sure he's dying to get to milwaukee wisconsin (laughs) as as soon as he can being a houston guy um but yeah i mean milwaukee is another team i mean we kind of said this i guess with the bledsoe trade but what would they send back you know the clippers are looking for depth pretty much all over the place you know that probably means thon maker and or brogdon you know, I highly doubt they'd be willing to part with Chris Middleton, but you never know. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's a multi-time All NBA player. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know who theoretically the Bucks would send back. I'm sure they would like give the Clippers Henson and picks, sure. and you could actually the Henson salary is so big that would probably actually help the trade go through itself. Right. Um, and yeah, you'd probably have to give up Brogdon. Um, who would he? He'd actually probably be a decent fit for them. I think he would. I mean, he's got. Not that this matters all that much, but he played with Bledsoe for a couple years out in L.A. There's a little bit of a connection there. They could still trade Jabari. They could. Um, That would be interesting. That's still one of those things that's kind of just floating out there, Mm -hmm. depending on um, how his restricted free agency goes or doesn't go or whether they try to – it's – I, I don't know what, what the Bucks. I are. think there are teams out there that would not acquire Jabari for anything more than like a second-round pick, and yep. there are teams out there, three or four of them, that would you know not necessarily sell the farm for Jabari but give up a heck of a lot more than other teams, and it's, it's really, really tough to gauge. I think if you're a team that would be interested in trading for him, you want to at least see him on the court this year, right? Yeah. You know, I highly, highly doubt that if the Bucks do trade Jabari Parker, and I, for the record, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so. I either. really don't think they want to do that, but if they did – it's not going to happen until he's at least back. Um, 
and it's I mean he's been practicing. I think he might be I, back sooner than we think. I went to a I went to a Bucks game. I saw him doing shooting threes and pregame warm-ups he bricked all of them but he, i also well, saw him that's... dunking too like he was out there like doing stuff <laughs> right. and looking athletic and i've seen like videos of him on you know on twitter he's at practice he's doing stuff mm-hmm. so yeah and it's not just light shooting i mean he's he's not a full participant obviously but he's doing things that someone with a healthy aco would do right uh so let's get to memphis we, we'll talk about the Cavs in a second but you know of course the biggest news around the league right now david fisdale out in memphis um I dug up the uh, Las Vegas odds for which coaches would be fired first, okay. and they only listed I think eight or ten coaches. And Fisdale didn't even make the list. There were all the you know the candidates you would imagine: Hoiberg, yeah. et cetera. Um, and then the field was was what he was included in. So nobody was really under any any sort of belief that his job was remotely in jeopardy. Um, and you know here we are with the Grizzlies in the midst of of a massive free fall after Mike Conley went down. And 19 games in, David Fisdale's out. It seems like all the blame immediately was shifted toward Marcus Saul, uh, and somewhat Chandler Parsons, who got in an Instagram comment fight with Stephen Jackson. Well, that's not that's the this. least surprising thing I've heard. Yeah, I mean that's just par for the course. Um, but it, it seems a little rash to blame Gasol. Uh, however, at the same time, it was pretty clear that those two were at odds, and Marcus Saul is not someone who usually speaks out, and let alone speaks out publicly in the media. And, you know, less than 24 hours later, the coach is gone. So you can kind of connect the dots there. Yeah, I it's for me, it's just hard to I don't understand what exactly got Fisdale fired other than like if Marcus and him just didn't have a good relationship in general. And this was a fair excuse to just right. to get rid of him. And, you know, I mean, Marcus all hasn't been playing that well of late. Like, I understand Fisdale wants to bench him like Gasol. I'm right now over the past five games, 35 percent from the field. That's right. not that, that's not good. I mean, he was upset that he was benched for the fourth quarter of a game against Brooklyn, and it was a game that they lost by ten. And I think what I mean, I went back and looked at you know the play by play of the game. This was on Sunday, and the the Nets were up like twenty points in the third quarter. Uh, Fisdale basically pulled the starters out of what looked like frustration. The bench got him back into the game, the and then he didn't. Yeah, and then he well, exactly. It's Gasol, <laughs> and then everybody else is kind of on the same level, and. And, this, you know, the bench got him at least close, I think within six or eight, and he just kind of rode with that. And obviously they didn't win the game, but I think it wasn't this, like, indefensible decision no. where he just benched Marcus All when he was in the middle of a great game. You know, I, I, I thought that was kind of odd, I, and it seemed like there was probably more frustrations than just that game that boiled over. There's probably a lot of stuff we didn't see or hear about. And, right. But, like, I don't, know how, I don't know how any coach is supposed to win without Mike Conley out there, like – you you th- you figure you have a shot to win games when you have Mark Gasol and Mike Conley, but when you have just one or the other, you're really kind of asking for trouble mm-hmm. considering the current depth of the team. Like Chandler Parsons has played well, but they still seemingly don't feel comfortable playing over 20 minutes a game. Basically, mm-hmm. there's only so much Ben McLemore can do. Um, I I don't know. I think LeBron, of course, chimed in and he he basically said uh, Fizdale was a fall guy for poor decision making he implied that was poor decision making by uh management that got them into this situation and then Fisdale had to be the one to um who suffered the consequences of it and that's fair because I don't Fisdale didn't sign Chandler Parsons and didn't make the decision to hang on to Conley and Mm -hmm. and Gasol and sign those guys to contracts and I I do feel like he he 
may have gotten fired unfairly. I don't think it. I don't think any of this changes my opinion of David Fisdale. No, not at all. And I think the way that players responded, especially such prominent guys in Wade and LeBron, immediately, you know, tells you I think that you know it's pretty clear that those guys probably speak for a lot of the guys who played for for Fisdale in Miami. And that type of response, you know, those guys know what they're doing with social media. They know LeBron knows when he tweets that that that's going to lead Sports Center for the next twenty four hours. And the fact that he's willing to do that, I think, I think speaks to that kind of relationship. I wonder where he lands now. I mean, no, there's no vacancy, obviously, you know, other than Memphis, I guess. Uh, who's for, we should say is bringing on JB Bickerstaff, who also had to take over when McHale got fired in Houston oh, okay. two years ago. So this is a second, like, really just terrible position that he's been put in as an interim coach. Um, but I mean, I. Like, would it be all that shocking if David Fisdale just became a special advisor to the Cavs in a week? You know, like, I, I don't I don't know how this really works when you get fired this early in the year. Like, do you just go home and chill out for a little bit? Just go to the beach. Like, I, don't I don't know. I don't know what you could. Um, I, yeah, because I don't, I don't know if there's any other coaches, like, really on the – I mean, maybe Phoenix goes for Fisdale. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess they have an interim right now in Triano. Um, that was my next question was who's the next coach to get fired? other than jason Kidd, yeah i don't No, i just but you know well, he's he's probably number one he, for me he might yeah he might be number he might be number one for me as well um but i don't know i think ownership loves jason Kidd, so i don't know i don't really know how that goes um i mean hoiberg strong candidate to probably get fired um especially with like kind of the recent handlings of um that like bobby porgus miritich situation which isn't entirely his fault because the team decided to sign miritich to a contract and gave him like right. a no trade clause essentially this year yeah um, it's i mean in my weird. opinion a lot of that's kind of on, on miritich and it's very easy for us to say as guys who whose faces are fully intact and didn't <laughs> get punched in the face oh, by yeah. a six eight you know 220 pound guy but come on you know i mean I, you, like they still haven't spoken you know it's, he's been at the facility for a month now you know how it's yeah. got to be just such an awkward situation it's it's definitely an awkward situation especially after a bunch of news came out that every a, a lot of the players were like not really defending miritich they were like he no. instigated this as much as Porgus. Porgus right. just ended it um so i don't i don't know if that's hoiberg's fault but either way um i those are, I think, I think the uh, Phoenix and Chicago, just from a vacancy standpoint, are probably the the places that Fisdale, if he if he just ends up, if he ends up being a head coach this season, mm-hmm. would be most likely to go. Otherwise, yeah, he could just end up as a special advisor to, I mean, really just any number of teams. But um, Cleveland wouldn't surprise me because of the LeBron connection, right? And I, th- I think it also wouldn't be that surprising if he just sits out the rest of the yep. year. And you know, there, I, there's not much of a precedent for a team firing a coach and then bringing in someone from the outside midseason is there yeah. i mean when you get the interim tag it's almost always someone from that staff that steps in mm-hmm. um so probably would wait until the off season to make that change we'll talk real quickly about the Cavs, who really took it to philadelphia last yeah. night um a game that really wasn't all that close uh the score i think it was someone close to like a 15 point margin when all of a sudden done 113 91 like what does that come out to Ooh. Uh, don't even worry about it we'll I don't, people I've, at home do that one yeah that's a lot of math um but the cavaliers have completely flipped the switch yet again <laughs> it's been going on and off seemingly at random for the last three years but um i read yesterday at ben falk who i don't know what site he writes for now he was on the zach low pod a couple weeks ago okay. um he tweeted out 
he, he's an analytics guy. He used to work for the Sixers. He tweeted out that during this seven-game winning streak, which is now eight games after last night, but heading into last night, the Cavs' defense uh, during the streak had been a top 10 in the league after ranking dead last by a pretty good margin for you know the first 12 or so games of the year. So you know, obviously the offense has picked it up a little bit. Kevin Love's been playing a little bit better, although he wasn't very good last night. LeBron's been better. J.R. Smith has been better. But defensively, the Cavs have actually started trying, and it's been emblematic when you hold a pretty good offense like Philly to just 91 points. Yeah, and, you know, that's the Cavaliers have a lot of defensive potential, which is why it was odd to me that they were playing so poorly. Um, Iman Shumpert, what, you know, he lacks great offensive skills, but he's he's a known, like, quality defender. Alleged defender. Alleged defender. Um, Jay Crowder's out there, too. Um, LeBron, when, he, when he's out there trying. Um, you know, I actually, Dwayne Wade has been playing good recently as well. Uh, past seven games, 14 points, five rebounds, four assists, one steal. And I was, you know, I saw him have a few good games in a row. And at first I was surprised. And then I was wondering why I assumed he was in shape to begin the year when he thought he was going to play the whole season on Chicago. Like, why would he have even bothered to be in shape? So the fact that he had a really poor, like, 13 ga- first 13 games does not surprise me mm-hmm. in hindsight. Um, so I think, yeah, people are just focused on defense. Wade's playing better. That helps a lot, especially off the bench. He's playing 25 minutes a game. Um, still a little confused on why Jay Crowder's not playing that well. I know he had some. He was dealing with personal stuff. Was his did his mother die? His or? mom died the day he was traded to the Cavs. So I think the implication. This hasn't been extensively reported, but the implication was that he spent a lot of time grieving right. and, t- and dealing with that situation, and it kind of carried over into camp. So, I mean, I assume he'll pick things up too at some point. And um, so, but yeah, I mean, is it eight, nine wins in a row? I think eight nine, in a row. Eight in a row. Um, I. This is just this. It's just classic LeBron team yep. at this point. And and this streak is going to have a decent chance to extend. If they can beat Miami at home tonight, they go Atlanta, Memphis, Chicago, Sacramento over their next oh, four, wow. which are like four of the five worst teams right now in the entire NBA. And you get Memphis, which is the best of those teams at home. So this could very easily be a streak that runs up to 12, 13 games. And even after that, you're at Indiana, who's better but very much beatable. You get Philly again at home. Atlanta, the Lakers, and then Utah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. With this Cavs team, you can never just pencil in a win by any means. Uh, but the schedule doesn't really get much harder until we start moving into really Christmas Day when they're in Golden State. Um, let's see. Oh, FanDuel. Basketball is back. I think we need a new read because basketball has been back for way <laughs> too long. But if you didn't know that basketball is back, it is. And that also means that FanDuel is back. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons. FanDuel offers something for every player, tons of contests starting at just $1. All you have to do is pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. I have not been playing much DFS this year, uh, although I'll occasionally dabble. You, on the other hand, how many lineups are you averaging on a given night, like oh, a normal size slate? I'm honestly down to one at this point. One? I used to do I used to do two or three per night like last year. I just I just roll with one now. I throw it in okay. a tournament. I just let it I just let it go. How many tens of thousands of dollars have you won this year on um, FanDuel? Zero tens of thousands, but I didn't I did win fifty on a two dollar entry this year really? one time, which was nice. Okay. So very cool. Yeah, I felt good about that. 
So over two and a half million players have won a cash prize, including you, yeah. playing on FanDuel and me as well, I guess. Uh, to take advantage of our special offer, if you're a new user, you can sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That will not only get you a FanDuel account, it will also get you a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Okay, uh, let's talk about really the the most interesting team in the NBA, the Orlando Magic. <laughs> um, so through the first week and a half of the season, the Magic were sitting in second place in the East, I believe, maybe even further than that. Uh, at one point, this team was five and two. Oh, they were they were six and two, and ever since then, things have gone pretty pretty bad. Uh, they've lost nine in a row. Uh, after getting blown out by Indiana last night. And I I think it's safe to say that the Orlando Magic are who we thought they were. You know, all of these losses, with exception of the first loss, have come without Jonathan Isaac. So I want to just say Jonathan Isaac for Rookie of the Year, first of all. Um, No, but so I, you know, there was regression coming, obviously. I just didn't think it would be like eight in a row type regression. Um, I thought it would maybe be slower, but this team does not. It it looks like the magic that um, everyone was kind of expecting coming into the season. As, you know, if you said uh, about twenty games into the season, the magic would be eight and thirteen, a few games under five hundred. Nobody will go back and deny. Everyone would be like, "Oh, that makes sense." So we're at that point now. Um, so I I don't know what to make of it much other than they've they. They started off so hot and then regressed so much. Now they're where everyone thought they would be. And from this point, they can really only hope that they, um, I guess, manage this, keep it around 500. Um, Because the East is, you know, we always talk about it, but the East is still a little bit wide open um, after after the four seed. I don't know, Washington, I mean, John Wall's out for two weeks. Um, the Bucks aren't clicking. Um, the Knicks are up in the air. Miami's up in the air. Um, Toronto or Detroit's really good. Um, and so, <laughs> I, I don't Detroit really know. is a very weird team. We'll have to talk about that. Maybe next week we'll do like a Pistons deep dive. Like you get killed by Cleveland and then turn around and have a really nice win over Boston last night. Andre Drummond is all of a sudden just handing out like five assists routinely, yeah. blocking shots, getting steals. That's really been the difference, right? I mean, no one else. Reggie Jackson being healthy helps, but it's not like he's going crazy. Avery Bradley hasn't been all that good on offense. His rebounding is now back to like normal totals for someone of his height. Um, but yeah, we 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 should devote more time to the Pistons. I don't have anything else to say about Orlando. I just wanted to note that they are just not a good team anymore. The, <laughs> that's very true. Especially, I mean, Aaron Gordon has cooled off yes. a lot. I, I for one, cannot believe he is not shooting 60% from three anymore. Uh, you know, it's down to 43. So, Which is still absurdly <laughs> high for him. But yeah. It is. Uh, okay, let's see. Rockets. The Houston Rockets. 6-0 and now with Chris Paul. Um, as you noted here, 11 assists and one turnover per game, which I think I saw this tweeted out last night equates to what 66 assists and like six turnovers on the year. It's six turnovers. And I was actually curious because basketball reference has a feature that lets you know how these turnovers happen. Oh, really? Chris Paul's turnovers, four of them were bad passes. So he's made four bad passes this year. Um, two of them are classified as other, which includes traveling three second violations 
just simply stepping out of bounds and things that he wouldn't do like offensive goaltending. Yeah. So basically he's made four bad passes this year and maybe stepped out of bounds. I, that could be an offensive foul too, right? I mean, that's, that seems possible. That, that, that yeah, that's true. Offensive, maybe he, uh, he got a charge. Maybe Ursan Ilyasova stepped in front of him on a drive. Mm. He'll get you. That's a good point. Oh yeah. So basketball reference here says he has two offensive fouls. So he's made four bad oh. passes and that's two, two offensive, offensive fouls. So they're it. both charges. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he's good. I think we haven't had enough of a <laughs> we haven't had enough of a sample where it's like really evident. You know, I think like casual fans. You know, I was talking to the guys back home this weekend, and they had no idea that Chris Paul was even back for three games already. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's going to take a while, maybe a couple national TV games for people to really start seeing what this Houston team can be. But the fact that they really did not miss a beat whatsoever without him one speaks to how good James Harden is, and two speaks to just the depth on the wing that this team has now with guys like Mbamute and Tucker and Ariza and Anderson who can just keep coming at you. Um, but I think I think this team is going to be awesome once they kind of figure out how to use these two guys together. This team is built really well. Um, there Obviously, there were some worries at the beginning of the season. How would this mesh? It looks fine. Six wins looks very good. Uh, when they both play. And the thing is, Chris Paul is shooting like pretty poorly, yeah. uh, 38% from the field. 37% from three last year he shot 41% from three uh, and 48% from the field so you assume once he's up at those numbers um, he's still stealing the ball really yeah. well doing other things but um, this team is like scary as far as um, teams that mm-hmm. could I don't I don't think they I wouldn't consider them a sleeper to get to the finals no. I mean every team's a sleeper against Golden State but like if you had to if you throw Golden State out of the equation yeah. I think Houston is probably the favorite yes. in the Western Conference at this point. I think Houston's the by far the favorite in the NBA right now if Golden State yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, I think I, in any other year, this Houston team would be a complete juggernaut, and we'd be talking about who's, how teams can't catch up to them. Right, because I wouldn't pick Boston to beat um, Houston in no, a seven-game series. Pick, right now, I, I still wouldn't pick the Cavs. I mean, they, they might still have moves to make, but... I think we the other I mean we we everybody talks about how weak the East is and comparatively that is the case, um, but like even you know the Cavs have made it to what three straight finals, the Heat made it to four straight finals. If you put the Cavs in the West any of the last three years, there's at least a thirty to forty maybe higher percent chance that they get knocked out by a team like a Houston. You know, like the best yeah. team that they face in the East in the last three years is nowhere near as good as Houston is, right? No. No, There's and granted, no they haven't had any trouble with teams in the East. So I, I think the Cavs <laughs> are much closer to Houston's level than they are Boston's level or Washington's level. Uh, but it is—I think it's easy to forget. The whole point is that Houston's really good, and we—and it's not realized quite as much because they're always compared to Golden State, who is kind of an unfair team to be compared to in the first place. Right, and you know they're—they only really play seven or eight guys when it comes to um, when it comes to the playoffs anyway. D'Antoni has that short rotation. But even if so, even if a guy goes down with injury, it's not great for them. But so many of their, especially their wing players, can play multiple positions. Like you can put Hargan at small forward if you really needed to. Sure. Um, like Tucker, Bamute, Anderson, all those guys you mentioned, they can play four. Um, Anderson can play five in an emergency. Um, Capella's playing really well right now. He's he's making a case for uh, most improved to some mm-hmm. extent. He probably won't win it, but he's you know he should be in the conversation. Um, they're turning this almost into like a, a the type of teams that have been built around LeBron, you know. Like Harden is in the LeBron role and just, you know, get him a second guy in Chris Paul and then just surround him with a bunch of really good shooters and guys who can, you know, can 3 and D. And like you talk about that's the recipe to beat the Warriors. 
I don't know if there's a roster in the NBA that's more equipped, at least on paper, to to run with Golden State. I agree with that. I li- I still theoretically like what the Pelicans do against New Orleans, like the yeah. counter, like the anti Warriors. Um, I think that's a really cool concept. But the problem is, like, it's just that the depth around them is so poor that if it if it comes down to a playoff series, which it very much could, we could yeah. the first round could be Golden State sure. Pelicans, and they might just you know beat the crap out of the out of the warriors and yeah make it interesting but um they can't win with what's surrounding the the main team what really hurts me about the pelicans you said they have no supporting cast which is totally true and it's not like they had to purge the supporting cast to get cousins you know it's like they just made so many stupid mistakes over the years they had nothing to do with demarcus cousins that the the, right all this stuff like there's no there's really no tangible reason for why the supporting cast is as bad as it is other than they've just you know kind of bungled so many different deals they just kind of overpaid like they just overpaid like you know three four guys Solomon and Hill. that's all it that's all it takes in the nba because you <sighs> give three guys four too many million dollars and pretty soon you are yes. down about 12 13 million dollars you could have spent on one exactly. other player um so yeah every every punny counts in the mm-hmm. in this scenario one last note on Chris Paul, uh, 53% of his shots this year have been three-pointers, which is far and away the highest percentage of his career. So throughout his entire career, uh, on average, including this year, 23% of his shots have been three. So he's more than doubled that this year. So, I mean, not only, you know, there are concerns like, can he play at this speed? You know, are they going to have to slow down when he's out there? Like early indications are that he's playing the Rockets game. They're not playing his game. Yeah, and he has uh he's been a pretty good spot up three point shooter the last couple of years. I think I looked right when that trade was made. He's basically a, like a forty five percent spot up, you know, just catch and shoot three point mm-hmm. shooter last year. And so as long as those are the three point looks that he's getting like I still don't I don't think he's like an off the dribble shooter, but you know, if you put Chris Paul at essentially in the corner, there's not many other yeah. players that, you know, are gonna shoot a He's a forty eight percent shooter last year from the corner. Right. And only 10% of his attempts came from there. I mean, who's driving and kicking to Chris Paul? You almost never see that. You never see it, but now it's a possibility. And that's once he actually yeah. starts hitting those shots, um, it's it's going to be as as tough as you know as as a lot of people thought it would be. Yeah, I think this Rockets team come like early February is going to be really, 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 really tough. Uh, okay, last thing I want to close with. I was talking to James James Anderson this morning uh, out in the office just about um about all-stars in the eastern conference and james hates talking about all-stars so i was kind of doing this just to to mess with them more than anything but it's a pretty interesting debate and i think there are we're getting to the point where there are quite a few guys that i'm pretty much willing to lock in as all-stars if they don't get hurt but the last like three or four spots um are are gonna come down and and be pretty interesting and i don't even want to tackle the west we'll get to that maybe (laughs) next week because that's that could be its own podcast but Guys I'm willing to lock in in the East. Kyrie's going to start for sure, right? I can't imagine a world in which Kyrie Irving He'll get voted in, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he deserves it. Kyrie, LeBron, and Giannis, I think, are the three for sure, for sure locks. I'm tempted to put Porzingis in there just because of the fan vote component. Um, I would put Porzingis in I think he's in. in. But it's like if it it could be him versus Embiid. It could be. Embiid also, those might be the two biggest fan vote guys in the league. Yeah in terms of how much that helps them compared to other things. Um, and they've, they're – so because they, they abandoned the – there's no positions. I mean, it's backcourt and frontcourt. Yeah, it's two and two and three. Okay. So two backcourt, three frontcourt. So it, it would go – would it just go Giannis, Porzingis, and Bede? 
LeBron though. Oh, LeBron. That's so yeah. one of those four isn't starting, right? Okay. I think that's why it's Porzingis or Embiid. If you're assuming that Giannis and LeBron are both forwards, I would assume Embiid gets the nod there. I think he deserves it. And I think, and the voting thing is like, yeah, Porzingis plays in New York, but I, if there's any fan base that's going to come out and make sure it votes for Embiid to to get him as much help as he can, I think it's Philly. Um, but either, yeah, on paper, it's probably one of those two. And then the other guard spot is where it gets pretty interesting too. Um, Ben Simmons is a guard. I think he has as good a chance as anyone. I think one of the Toronto guys is always going to be in that conversation. Probably DeRozan this year. Lowry's numbers, he's gotten better, but he's still averaging seven fewer points per game this year than last year. And you can get into the metrics, but when you're talking all-star votes, it's kind of more so about their traditional stats. Right. Um, John, John Wall, Wall always in the conversation. John Wall's, I mean, James said this kind of kiddingly, but he's he's arguably been the third best player on the Wizards this year with as good as Porter and Beal have been. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, Beal might be more deserving right now of that spot. I think Wall's been, hasn't he been banged up all has, year, yeah. though? So, I, like, he'll, it's hard for me not to feel like he's an all-star. I think um, he's still an all-star. I just don't think he'd start this year. Do you think, I mean, I don't think Beal would start. I, that's almost too obscure, even though yeah. he may deserve it. Um, I think DeRozan would probably get it yeah. just because of the recognition, and the Raptors will be a better team. Toronto, all of Toronto, yeah. all of Canada will come out and vote for him. But, yeah, Simmons Simmons at this point deserves an all-star nod in some capacity. He's going to get it, right? I, it, the East just isn't – if he's in the West, he probably misses out. But, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to come up with guys who would, like, very clearly be better choices than him. Yeah, I don't know. We probably shouldn't sleep on Drummond either. No, he's. I think Drummond him. is a lock to get in at this point for, for a bench guy. He already – I didn't even realize this. He's made an all-star game already. Yeah, when he, he, yeah, led the he made the in one in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's he's definitely a candidate to get in there. Um, I don't know. It's I mean, when, after that, we're kind of getting into like the Tim Hardaway's and Victor Oladipo's. <laughs> God, Tim Hardaway better not. <laughs> Oladipo. Oladipo, I put down as a lock and James James thought that was ridiculous. But um, I, I don't like who else? If it's not Oladipo, who else? To me, I mean, I maybe put more stock in defense than... Sure. I mean, a lot of other people do, but I, I don't know. You switch Bradley Beal with Victor Oladipo. I think they both get in, to be honest. Yeah, like I, he's he's the thing was I thought Victor Oladipo like oh he's you know he's having a hot start. This is this is beyond a hot start at this yeah, point. Yeah, um, I mean, all star voting opens in like a month. Do you think Kevin Love gets in? Uh, he's somebody I wanted to bring up. So okay. here, here, quick reset. We have Kyrie, LeBron, Giannis, Embiid, Porzingis, Drummond. DeRozan, Beal, Oladipo, and Simmons. That's 10. And okay. not, I'm not saying all those guys are locks, but 10 guys that you could feel pretty good about. And you could you can throw a wall in there too if you want. I think if he's healthy, yeah. it'd be weird to leave him off. He hasn't been that bad. So then we're down to one spot, and that's between Love, Lowry, um, Whiteside, I guess, Kemba, and that's about it. I mean, no one's getting in from Brooklyn, Atlanta, or Chicago. Kemba's cooled off since Batum has come back. Yeah. Are you not? Schroeder's probably you no, can't. God, no. It's the team is too bad. Right. And that's one where it would come down to like Kemba or Schroeder, and Kemba would for sure get the nod. Right. Drog- I always love Drogic, but his, his numbers just aren't going to be good enough. No. Al Horford? Oh, yeah. Horford, I think it's in, especially if the Celtics are still first in the East. Um. 
Hor- if it's Horford versus Love, it, it has to be Horford, right? I think so. I mean, I would, you know, if you imagine those two switch spots, theoretically, like if you put if you put Horford on the Cavs and Love on the Celtics, who would be getting the better end of that? And I assume it would be the Cavs. I think um, so. Yeah, and this so year at least. Yeah. That's that's how I would look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think that's the that's the end of the the names themselves. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. Maybe 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 you James are right. Oladipo might not be that much of a lock now that I think about it. But I, th- I mean, the guy—if he goes into the All Star break averaging twenty-two and six and a few like, steals, like he's like gonna... three combined steals and yeah, blocks, like and he's... still shooting like forty-four percent from three. Right. Yeah, at that point, you have to like put yeah. the numbers. Just like look exactly. at these guys' numbers, look at the records. And Indiana's twelve and nine. You know, they're not sitting. They're not sitting down with seven wins or anything. They're not. They're not a laughing stock. Yeah, and it's one of those situations where he may actually win Most Improved. That's one thing. Yeah. that could happen. Um, that it's a situation where it's like, well, what were the expectations of the team? Um, they were super low, and they're so, playing yeah. really well. What's the reason for that? Victor Oladipo, like yeah. almost you know first and foremost, and Sabonis obviously is huge mm-hmm. for them because Turner Turner's good, but he hasn't been. He hasn't made the jump yeah. that a lot of people, even myself included, assumed that he would make this year. Right. It feels like we haven't heard from Miles Turner. He had a big first game, got hurt, and then it it just seems like he's just kind of been there since he came back and spent all Oladipo and. To some credit, Lance Stevenson has played much better. Yeah. He, did you see him play the, the, I don't know what it was, I guess it's safe to assume a guitar last night? No. He hit a three, and as soon as it went in, turned to the crowd and just gave him a little air guitar riff. I want to know what song was in his head. If there was one in was his say, head. That, that, that was my first thought. I'm like, what songs with guitars <laughs> is he listening to? Because if you follow him on Snapchat, which I may or may not do, 90% of content is just him sitting in a car with his phone in front of his face just filming himself kind of looking off in the distance and rapping and dancing similar to what lebron does right um but it's just it's not it's a little different when it's like stevenson <laughs> okay anything else you want to close with um i mean you t- you kind of took the uh the lance stevenson thing yeah from i'll give me. you some time here the floor is yours i mean it's been a, it's been a really it's been an up and down ride for me as far as lance stevenson because i put him i put him in a sleepers column um for yahoo sure which did. which garnered a lot of shade people were very upset with me about the names on that list and then lance stevenson came out and played really bad for like the like first really 10 bad. games of the year like really bad and i was like all right i concede this one i was way too excited about this but then um he had like two good rebounding games in a row and um in a waiver wire column i threw his name in there and then ever since that, I would like to shout out Lance Stevenson for playing really well ever since I dropped his name mm-hmm. um, and told people to pick him up, even though I barely believed it, yeah. to be real. Um, he's scoring pretty well. Um, you know, the 60% shooting over the past however many games isn't sustainable, obviously. Um, it depends who you ask. It dep- it, yeah, it really depends. I think he would you tell ask. you it's more than sustainable. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's, that's, that's what they needed from Lance Stevenson to continue being a 500 or better team is Lance because he can be a six man for them. And when you look at the other options off the bench to play that, like three, that two, three spot, you know, I mean, Bogdanovich has been playing really well. I'll give him credit for that. Corey Joseph, solid option there. Um, But other than that, you're talking about like Joe Young, Glenn Robinson, the third, once he comes back. So, I mean, he's actually a relatively crucial piece of this team if they want to make the playoffs and he's, He's earning his money right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Lance is shooting close to forty-five percent 
on the season now. And for a guy who was shooting like 25% over his first 10 games, yeah. that's pretty impressive to, to resurrect that. Uh, over his last 11, 56% from the field. He's hit seven of his last 11 threes. I mean, now's the time, I think, to, to buy low on Lance Stevenson. Yeah. Um, who else was in that waiver column that, that you got harassed for? I'm curious. Uh, I think maybe J. Michael Green. No, uh, yeah, he might have been in there. Uh, I know Contavious Caldwell Pope was in there. He's turned into kind of a gunner this year, which is which I very much appreciate. Um, I can try look this or uh, I can try look this up quickly. Uh, if you can stall for no, me. if not, that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know if this if you were like mentally scarred and you just knew I was. The, you just I knew mean, the names off the top of your head. I, you know, I was I was a little scarred um, just because like it got so much because I I didn't want them to be um, I didn't want them to be breakout candidates. Right, because that's a different. Yeah, that's much different. It's like a circle, a square, or you know, or yeah. a circle, a square, rectangle. Um, square is a rectangle. Rectangle is not a square. Here are the names: Dennis Smith Jr., KCP, Tyreek Evans. By the way, um, Thaddeus Young, um, Willie Cauley Stein, Milos Teodosic, John Collins. Those were yeah. the names. Um, here are some reactions. Um, I am done with Tyreek Evans. Every year is a disappointment. Seven players who are total. And then this person literally typed out like a uh, hashtag dollar sign, uh, you know, like swearing. Oh, like ooh. these like these players are total crap. Anybody who thinks they will be anything positive doesn't know a thing about pro basketball. Mm-hmm. And this guy t- uh, just said, don't draft younger Evans. Um, sure. So, I, you know, I just wanted to be Peggy for a minute. Um, and no, I'm just, more than happy to accommodate that yeah, on this podcast. I guess Lance Stevenson wasn't on that list, but John Collins, that was a good call. I know you and I were both high on him coming into the year, and rebounding he, carries over from college. Yes, so. it does. He's, I mean, he's still playing like 22 minutes most nights and giving you 11 and seven a game, which for a rookie, granted on a bad team, uh, is pretty solid production. He's he's kind of in the Hassan Whiteside category when it comes to assists, where he <laughs> might he might go like 13 games in a row without a single assist. But you know what you're getting. I mean, he's a, he's almost, he's a double double per 36 guy easily. Right, and he has some tri- you know, trouble uh, committing fouls, but that's 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 tough for rookies um, mm-hmm. to keep up with the pace of the game. I was actually I'm I'm still surprised Dwayne Dedman doesn't play more. Um, he's still putting up good numbers, but Collins has actually I think stolen like a decent amount of his um, Dedman's minutes just because he's so athletic and just you know just a, a good young option the team's not going to win any right. game so well they were playing for a while they're like luke babbitt played like 40 minutes in a game <laughs> yeah and i just i mean i get that if you have deadman out there you, you, need the, you need the shooting but yeah it just seems like night to night like colin started the other night and then played 20 minutes and you know it's just kind of been random night tonight Ilya Sova played 22 off the bench you know like i I love Ursan Ilyasova as much as probably anybody in the entire world but in what universe are you playing Ursan Ilyasova over developing John Collins when you're a four and sixteen team. The the only reason that I can s- like see the reason for it is you are trying to like you you have an you have an offense in mind that you would like to run and to like help the other players de- like to help Dennis Schroeder develop and help the other yeah. players develop. You kind of put them out there, but that's yeah, true. I don't know. I to some extent like once you just have. Collins wouldn't you rather have Collins out there bricking like 18 fuggers on pick and pops than Ellie yes. Silva drilling 40 percent of his open threes personally know. yes <laughs> um, but I cannot speak for Mike Budenholzer all right that'll do it for us um, go to fanduel.com use the promo code uh, rw or actually use the url I guess fanduel.com slash rw 
Uh, we'll talk Western Conference stuff. We'll talk Pistons next week. I'll be back with James on Thursday. Uh, have a good Tuesday. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.